What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Bizarre Junkies Podcast. I am your host, as always. I don't think it'll ever change. Austin Alvarez, I am so happy to be here with you today. But you know who I'm even more happy with, and you will never know who it is, is George. Yes. That is me. Ah, he does have angle. I do have angle today, and... You should lock the focus on that. And that's Travis. Follow Travis Flusher. <laughs> but that's fine. If we are live. Actually, we're not live. We're live in I this I did it on purpose. Recording. I knew it was Travis. Yeah, yeah, sure you did. Sure you did. Uh, George, how have you been, man? How did the draft go? We just did the draft at the time of recording this last week. So you're hearing this two weeks later. Yes, the draft was very, very fun i got great feedback from it it's something where if you're looking for some fantasy football laughs maybe a little advice see see how we mocked it up go ahead and check it out at gridiron junkies uh we had food we had great food we had uh marijuana we had marijuana we had food we had uh we got to make fun of john because he's old you don't even know what the fuck app that happened using. uh we also george gave me the dirtiest fucking look i have ever seen in my entire life when i made my first round pick I, picked, I forgot who you picked. I picked though. Travis Kelsey, and you were like, you picked Travis fucking Kelsey round one, and you're sitting right next to me, and I felt like I almost should have taken it back. But now I'm like, no, fuck you. Yeah, I did draft him round one. I thought you were going to smack me. I'm going to be honest. Don't tell me who to draft. <laughs> but we did something crazy during that stream. We had both studios running on one stream. Which was pretty revolutionary. Pretty revolutionary. We've had both rooms running at the same time, plenty of time. We have right now, as I'm recording this, there's another. We have the other studio where we do the live streams from. Uh, there's somebody in there right now. We we possess the technology, ladies and gentlemen. To be here, to be here, oh. here, oh. here, here, here. Back to you. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to give some channel updates before we get started on today's episode. So we are working with a couple of merch designers to come up with some merch that is going to be a one-time pre-order. Uh, George, you've seen it. It's pretty swaggy, people. Uh, one of them is going to be a sticker pack of some cryptids. I think it's going to be pretty fucking cool. Another one is a shirt design that is dope. So we are working towards that. So I want to get a gauge of how many people want said merch. Uh, George has to pay double, but uh, how do we how do we get people to let us know? I guess if you're watching this on YouTube, you can just comment and say I'm interested in the merch. If you're listening on Spotify, you can also leave a comment. Can you on, on episodes? Yeah. Oh, the Q and A section it's always there on Spotify. Yeah. So on Spotify, there's the Q and A section. Everywhere else, um, you can just go to the YouTube, <laughs> find this video, and comment that. Yeah, y'll, I'll show you how to make it a poll on Spotify. No, I've done that. Oh, okay. I've done that. I just didn't know. Poll. I didn't know if you didn't put the option in there that they could still go in and. Yeah, I think they can. Okay, so yeah, do that. If not, then fuck me. I guess I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, so we have that. Um, we have our Facebook page, which is going crazy. We have our live streams. I just want to put this out there now. I believe we are going to be changing the time of the live stream. Uh, one, because initially it worked well for my schedule, but I want the audience to be there. So 11 in the morning, Pacific Standard Time, pretty early. It is. Not boxing voice early. Not 6 a.m. Yeah, not 6 a.m., 9 a.m. or uh, 9 a.m. Eastern. But I want to be considerate of my audience, and, you know, a lot of you work, and I can respect that. I've had, I, I still work. I, I, can, I don't just do yeah. this show and go home. <laughs> Your live stream is only popular in the countries where it's dark out at that time. So, like Australia, yeah, uh, Bangladesh, we're pulling good numbers because it's spooky. Y yeah, yeah, and they're like, wow, 
we can we can get that content at this time of night. So I think I'm going to move it to uh, we're still brainstorming this, but I think 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesdays. I think that'll be better for the audience. It'll give more of you a chance to watch it live and to interact with us, hang out with us. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I think it's a good welcome change for the stream. What about you, George? I think so too, Austin. I think you come up with good ideas. That's the fact. And you know, people want to watch scary shit late at night, just like they don't like seeing a light on me. They like seeing the red light. I will say, I think that is a very touching, yeah, look for you. It's very murderous. Very murderous. But you know who else was murdered? <laughs> It's a fucking terrible transition. Uh, today's people of Russia. People was uh, Ukraine. So we're talking about Chernobyl, which is in Ukraine. And uh, recently Chernobyl was in the news because of the Ukraine invasion. And Russia went through and co- and took back Chernobyl. And everyone's like, okay, but are you guys monitoring it? And they're like, monitored what? I thought it was big vodka plant. Yeah, they just were like, it blew up. It's fine. And it's like, no, there's still very heavy levels of radioactivity going on there so i think ukraine took that part back and now it's like being monitored again but yeah there was like in the news for like three months they're like "Mm, is chernobyl gonna act up again yeah i mean it's i i saw a rabbit with forehead and three penis (laughs) (laughs) one was big two or small crazy rabbit his friend i named him mikhail he lives in my backpack. This stupid rabbit thinks he sells yogurt in America. It's <laughs> like our, our cereal. <laughs> All right. So, George, uh, you know about Chernobyl. A little bit. I think I think we all know just a little bit, but we have our research here done by our fantastic writer, Nick Capuano. Thank you, Nick. Nice. The Chernobyl disaster, an unparalleled nuclear catastrophe that unfolded on April 26th, 1986 remains an indelible scar on human history, reshaping our perception of nuclear power's potential and its inherent risks. This... I'm not going to read all that. There's going to be a lot of editing today. That's fine, though. So let's let's go a little bit into its influence and a little bit of background and context. So that way we can set this up appropriately, George. So nestled near the city of Pripyat in Ukraine, the Chernobyl nuclear power plant was a testament to Soviet engineering prowess. Employing the RBMK reactor design, a graphite-moderated and water-cooled system, the plant aimed to meet the burgeoning energy demands of the Soviet Union. So this was back, you know, when Russia controlled most of that area. Yep. Uh, So yet uh, yet inherent in this reactor's design were critical flaws that laid the groundwork for the catastrophic incident. Against the backdrop of the 1980s Soviet political landscape marked by secrecy and centralized control, the seeds of the disaster took root. So this was like the the tail end of the of the Cold War. Jeez, that they yeah. wanted this type of power. I mean, well, we that's what the whole Cold War was about. Was like you have nukes, I have nukes. Yeah, well, no, I think it was more so the the power that they're able to generate from the nuclear reactor. Right, nuclear power is damn near infinite. And it's actually pretty pretty good on uh, our like emissions too. Yeah, it's if if. Chernobyl didn't happen. We would still very much so be looking to use. Well, no, we do, nu- like we the, there was the Fukushima the, plant, like the two thousands. No, they're still there. I'm just saying they're so frowned upon because when they go wrong, people, they go wrong. Yeah. What's the, oh the wind turbine fell? Oh no, it got a cow. <laughs> the nuclear turbine melted half of the earth. <laughs> like 
Damn Republicans. <laughs> uh, so... The commissioning of reactor number four marked the inception of a series of decisions that would culminate in disaster. The RBMK reactor, notorious for its positive void coefficient, exhibited instability at low power levels due to a feedback loop that exacerbated reactivity during cooling anomalies. The fateful decision to conduct a safety test on an inherently unstable reactor, coupled with the lack of a robust safety culture and poor communication, set the stage for the calamity. So, if I remember correctly, uh, there was just, like, I think the guy went on, like, vacation or something. Um, we're going to get into it here, but if I'm recalling correctly, like, it was, like, in a matter of minutes, everything was just gone. Yeah. You can't, I mean, back in the day, the the safe, every time, you know, bad things happen, it then gets perfected. So, it sucks to see that we're still so, like, foolish on it. Like right. I mean, yeah, we'll get into it. Yep. There's a lot of energy stuff that there's I want to get into. There's a lot of energy stuff. So the intended safety test on April 26, 1986, aimed to simulate a power outage scenario and assess the reactor's capacity to provide emergency power. However, a series of lapses, deviations from protocol, and miscommunication among plant operators uh, precipitated a, ca a catastrophic cascade of events. The reactor's power plummeted to precarious levels, prom uh, prompting an uncontrollable surge in power output. The resultant explosion released a torrent of radioactive materials into the atmosphere and ignited fires that propagated contamination. So it was just oozing out into the, the city that it was right next to. Jesus. Like at unprecedented levels. Uh, the immediate aftermath, uh, aftermath thrust plant personnel and first responders into an unprecedented crisis. Lacking adequate preparedness for a disaster of this magnitude, their efforts were hampered. Soviet authorities, initially downpa downplaying the severity of the incident, delayed evacuation and containment efforts, worsening the crisis. Helicopters and liquidators were dispatched to the scene to combat fires and manage the contamination, often working amidst uh, perilous conditions. Like, they were sitting in the fire bin, like, it's good. Fire, fire go out, me stand in it. When I was in the Russian military, one time I mopped outside with the rain coming down for hours, just like Chernobyl. You went Middle Eastern there for a second. <laughs> I've heard that's a thing in the military. Uh, like, if you really fuck up, they go, yeah, go ahead and mop outside, and it's like pouring. Yeah. Also, like, the, the they say never volunteer in the military, and they're like, who knows how to right. drive a stick? Hey, you two, you two over there, go uh, go put out the fires at Chernobyl. And don't come back till it's fixed. <laughs> like, PPE, what you mean you need, you need <laughs> protective equipment? The fuck? Uh, those guys, definitely, hopefully they got a pension. Hopefully. The Chernobyl guys? Yeah. If any of them lived. Yeah, or like their family got some sort of like, I mean. No, it's Soviet on, Union, dude. They couldn't even afford to pay themselves, let alone pay families. At least give them like a. A, a bread. A fast track to the bread line. <laughs> <laughs> this babushka always gets to go first. Why? Her son died in Chernobyl. Son died in Chernobyl. And we sit here and we think it's our fucking job to wait hours and hours before. And this lady just comes up with a fast track card. Fuck her. <laughs> <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> All right, let's get into the immediate aftermath. So the evacuation of Pripyat and surrounding areas encapsulated the human tragedy that unfolded. 
Radiation-exposed populations, including first responders and plant workers, bore the brunt of acute health impacts. Internationally, the release of radioactive particles was detected, and prevailing winds carried the radioactive plume across borders, heightening global apprehensions about widespread contamination. The Soviet regime's opacity in disclosing the true extent of the disaster exacerbated the crisis. They were very, they were downplaying it. Yep. They were like, okay, it burned, yeah, it's a small problem. I just can't believe, like, that they controlled the media that hard. Like, we think we have it bad. Like, people get censored. Like, bro, you like the fucking Chernobyl was melting in the stay in home, stay, stay in home. Actually, go for a walk is fine. You need exercise. Make sure you're only drinking water from the tap. <laughs> oh my God. Just drink the drink the water from the top, please. It's totally fine. <laughs> oh, God. So. The far-reaching implications of the Chernobyl disaster reverberated across dimensions. Exposed populations endured health repercussions, notably an upsurge in thyroid cancers, particularly among children. Environmental degradation manifested in soil, water, and wildlife contamination persisted for decades. The economic toll and displacement of communities fundamentally transformed the regional landscape. Internationally, nuclear safety protocols were overhauled, spotlighting the pivotal importance of transparency, accountability, and risk assessment. The detection and dispersion of the radioactive cloud underscored the global interconnectivity of nuclear incidents. International solidarity translated into aid and assistance flowing into affected regions, emphasizing cross-border collaboration during crises. The establishment of exclusion zones in restricted areas marked an effort to prevent further exposure and contamination while raising questions about the universal implications of nuclear accidents. So what did we learn, George? What did we learn from this? The Chernobyl catastrophe became a crucible for change within the nuclear industry. Reactor designs and safety protocols underwent a rigorous reevaluation. International nuclear safety bodies assumed greater prominence, fostering a culture of collective responsibility. Public perception of nuclear energy metamorphosed, compelling policymakers to address uh, to address safety concerns and ecological repercussions. The disaster's imprint extended to nuclear energy policies, rendering stringent safety measures non-negotiable. So we did get, I mean, I would hope we got some good out of the entire fucking plant melting and leaking, and, you know, because of the, the wind, it carried it like into Russia, into Belarus, into, you know, Poland. Poland's already been through enough. Dude. What we learned is that, and they already knew it. They already saw what happened to Japan beforehand. Like this, when it happened, like they understood the implications and they hit it. Well, that's the problem. I feel like it was because they were using nuclear energy in a different way. We weren't, I don't think we were, I don't think you get nuclear power from splitting the atom, which is how the bomb worked. No, you get it from like a constant state of it creating f like fission. Fission? I think I think that's it. Fission, fusion, fusion, fission, mitosis, mitosis. Uh, Mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Real talk, though. You split a nuclear atom, and you compress it. That's why, and then it's in water to cool it. It's so fucking hot. I we're not scientists, folks. We're podcasters. No, I know, but you know. I, as you're driving in your car right now, 
try to hypothesize. This is what they did back in the 1500s, okay? Use your brain, all right? One day, you may be creative. <laughs> all right, let's go, with, let's go into how Chernobyl is today. So decades after the disaster, the Chernobyl exclusion zone stands as a, so, a somber testament to enduring consequences. The site has evolved into a nexus of tourism and scientific inquiry, providing an unprecedented lens into the long-term impacts of radiation on ecosystems. Ongoing endeavors to contain and safeguard the site persist, driven by evolving technologies and a renewed commitment to mitigate further environmental degradation. The Chernobyl catastrophe serves as an enduring reminder of the perils entailed by nuclear energy when complacency supersedes caution. The disaster's revelations about reactor vulnerabilities, the imperative of a ro robust safety culture, and the centrality of transparency continue to reverberate. While the tragedy inflicted profound suffering and loss, it concurrently ignited a global discourse on the ethical responsibilities that accompany harnessing nuclear power. As societies navigate their energy trajectories, Chernobyl remains an unwavering beacon of prudence, underscoring the imperative of responsible technological innovation. And that's your brief history on Chernobyl there, ladies and gentlemen. So, George, I know you want to get really into energy sources. You seem fired up when I told you this was the topic for today. Yeah, I mean, they obviously did a good job there of highlighting how it was the template for what we use in the future to think about things like this. Correct. I thought there would be some more, and I'm going to do some back-end stuff, because, like, I mean, I made the joke about four-headed rabbits, but, like, there was some really effed up things there that still came is. out. There still is. I, there was a Vice video where the, the uh, creator of Vice went to go hunt radioactive boars in Chernobyl. Like, he rode a train out there. Um, But, yeah, like, there's a ton of fucked up shit coming out of there. But, like, like so another big catastrophe was Fukushima, but Fukushima wasn't because of negligence. It's because it got hit with a fucking tsunami. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was nothing they could do. There was nothing they could do. They, that was a sad one. That was a very sad one. But you got to just like, we, we're so, in my opinion, like when it comes to like the world coming together for things, like there's parts of the world that like are so isolated from everyone and obviously it's tough to generate energy from that area and, and maintain everything but like nuclear power in my opinion should be out in the middle of fucking nowhere if anything goes wrong like we just kill the fish you know it's it's bad in that area i mean that's i feel like living in nevada there's a little bit of i don't i don't know bro you always there, dude, your story like maybe not las vegas were, but. no yes las vegas people who were watching nuclear tests from the tops of casinos got cancer that happened yeah so like we definitely have it here why do you think lake mead water tastes a little, little bit a little bit spicier uh, what you got 10 facts about chernobyl that you didn't know you want to pull it up on the on the screen please i got you my boy here we are people so, number one, Sweden actually sent the first alert. You may have you have to remember, 1986 was still during the Cold War. The Soviet Union didn't tell the West what was happening right when it happened. In fact, it took them days to tell their own people to evacuate nearby areas. After the explosion, the first Westmen Westerners to know were Swedish nuclear power plant workers whose sensors read high levels of radiation. Sweden sent out the first alert that something was happening. Can you 
I think we found something in the air. I think it may have been Chernobyl. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Get back to work. Yeah. They, could you imagine like them telling the West like, hey, we uh, we have a we have a problem with the nuclear reactor. And they're like, you can't even control your nuclear reactor. And you think we're supposed to be afraid of you with nuclear weapons? Totally fine over here. Totally fine. Nothing to we worry about. We are still about. going to launch a nuke at you if you fuck up. I I make moon. You make moon. We send dog to moon. <laughs> dog die, but we still send it. You have that type of science? <laughs> you have working plant? No, ours are so good they malfunction. Um. So, okay, here's another little fun fact here. Radioactive iodine is the first killer. After the blast, the real killers come in the form of radioactive isotopes transmitted by dust particles floating in the air and falling to the ground. Radioactive iodine is one of the most dangerous because it can quickly be accumulated in the thyroid gland. And you, you said that. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the attributing factor to thyroid cancer. But they said thyroid cancer, especially in children, too, which is even sadder. Yeah. But yeah. there are people, like, that was in 87, 86. So, like, people are still very, like, we're very much alive now that we're there for Chernobyl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So this this thing, it's got one thing right here. You can actually visit Chernobyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you yeah. have to wear, so you have to have a Geiger counter and you can only like stay there until your Geiger counter gets to like a certain point and then they're like, you got to go now. And then that's when you rip everything off and you're like. And you're like, fuck it. <laughs> Just run in. Do you think Captain Price got thyroid cancer? 100% all those guys did. As he was, was that in Chernobyl that they? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm. I said that twice to you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from Modern Warfare Two. He's looking it up. I think it's from the original Modern Warfare Two. All gillied up. Fifteen years ago, I was in Chernobyl. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Should we watch? We watch the playthrough of that. I don't think so. I think we'll we'll get demonetized to fucking hell by by Activision. Just I just think people just don't know what Chernobyl looks like. I think they do the best of it. <laughs> in, in, in the fucking Xbox 360 graphics. <laughs> there is a, there is a really good game because of Chernobyl, and it's called uh, Stalker, mm. and it's set in Ukraine, and it's a post apocalyptic survival game. It's it's I think it's based on the fact that like Chernobyl was way worse. Like then, so like that's the plot of the game is like it's actually just super radioactive there. Well, okay, but yeah. yeah, it's it's like it's a post-apocalyptic survival game. It's pretty fucking terrifying. So your health points go down as so it's like a PUBG. No, not necessarily. Radiation. But you can go into radiated areas and you can die if you stay there too long. Uh, think more Fallout. Okay. So there's there's like just random warring tribes. There's zombies. There's irradiated creatures. But like you have nothing. Like you start the game off with like an SKS with like nine rounds, and then like a like a Makarov with like eight rounds, and then like a bandage. And like go do mission. <laughs> you will succeed now. And uh, the game is really hard because it doesn't tell you what to do. You, you just, just kind of have to go, like oh am I supposed to go do a mission? Am I supposed to just go explore? I like those type of games. It's you would like it. We we may have to download it for you. You know what else I like? 
What's that? Animals with foreheads. So let's read. <laughs> the animals are radioactive, but doing well. So PETA, chill out. This is a relative statement. Obviously, the radiation causes odd growths and birth defects in the animals there. We as humans would not stand for even 1% of the rate of abnormality in our own species. Yet, for some animals here, this seems a small price to pay for living a place that is relatively free of humans. The sad truth is that humans' presence is probably the biggest problem for most animals to survive. So, Slayer. People still be killing those fucking animals. Yeah, I told you there's everywhere. a there's a vice video. Well, I mean, going hunt like it's a thing you can go do. It's like a like an excursion. I mean, how do we get people to spend thirty thousand dollars, but to just chill in Chernobyl in a fun way? And then it's used to rebuild the animal population. And how do we stop hunting these Chernobyl animals? Like, I mean, we're big and endangered species. They're like, not endangered. Though. It's like it's like boars. Like they're they're far from endangered. See, but that's that's what every person thinks until an animal becomes endangered. <laughs> See, that's you got to like, be proactive. Like in Texas, like they they will eat. In one night, they'll eat millions of dollars of, of like, uh, agriculture. You're proving my point, man. Correct. So you fucking kill the... What do you mean? They're, they're not... They breed so heavily that, like, Texas is, like, willing... You can go on a helicopter tour and murk these fuckers, which I think we should do, but... Okay. Um, You're trying to say we should save them when they're overbreeding and eating up crops. I'm just saying they're unique animals in that region that you should probably just leave alone. And if you eat them, I you, you shouldn't eat them. <laughs> Don't eat those animals at Chernobyl. But I'm hungry, you know. If, then, if you have a little bit of spicy board, it's kind of good, but your bowels they hurt for a couple days. One time, American brought cheese whiz. I put cheese whiz on board. <laughs> That's a good one. Saltine cracker Whoa. and cheese whiz. Saltine cracker, cheese whiz, but then one guy bring Bob Lastin. Wow. <laughs> Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> we should just title this one Austin and George do Russian impressions. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> what uh, Austin and George go to Chernobyl. <laughs> what happened to their voices? Yeah, so, but Chernobyl, like, still is very radioactive to this day. Like, and that's why I brought up the Ukraine incident, because Russia came in and, like, annexed that area. And they're like, uh, we had people assigned to there keeping an eye on it. And they're like, it's fine. It's okay. We don't care. I mean, obviously, they don't care. But, like. They're expendable. They're just throwing soldiers. That is true. They are just throwing soldiers. Putin's all like, some of you may die, but that's the risk I'm willing to take. All these kids weren't even alive that he's sending in there. During from, Chernobyl. They're during, like, what is Chernobyl? And they're like, uh, Disneyland. Go, go in. Chernobyl, like that energy drink from Hot Tub Time Machine? <laughs> is, was that what it was called? Uh, I think it was something close to that. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, I don't think, since it came out. But yeah, Chernobyl is, like, it, a lot of people still make the argument for nuclear energy. As opposed to like coal or 
fossil fuels. Chernobyl. Chernobyl. It's like Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> the, the secret ingredient is radioactive. <laughs> they send us to the land where they make Chernobyl. Oh, God. But yeah, George, what do you what do you know about them wanting to use people? Because you hear it all the time in political campaigns. We want to use nuclear energy. But then you see something like Fukushima or Chernobyl, and you're like, do we do we want that? I think um, when it comes to power, me as the next president, I would possibly uh, just stop fucking lying to people. It's scary. <laughs> it's dangerous. Like people just bring it up as a hot button topic, but like oil. Although it it's you know one day going to f fleet away, like are we really going to go to to nuclear? And if we are, I think we should just be a lot safer about it. Like put it out where it don't be affecting people. Like if shit goes south, but easily to easy to transport to like all the major cities. Can you imagine if we all worked in sync like that? But the big thing is like who stays in charge of. All the nuclear plants. Well, maybe you do it like oil rigs. You have rotating shifts. Yes. Three weeks on, two weeks off. Three weeks on, two weeks off. Three weeks on, two weeks off. With oil? We like, do, like with oil rigs, you go there for sets amount of time. Yeah, no. So maybe we do that with the nuclear reactors. You have people that go in cycles. Yeah, yeah. And natural disasters are, are bound to happen, but there's... I feel like there's ways of doing it at a smaller scale. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know how much power did Chernobyl really provide? Like, when it was, like, fully up and running. Like, was it fucking powering the Let's eastern seaboard? You know? Let's, Let's look up the power output of Chernobyl. It had to have been enough, at least for Pripyat. But this is 1980s Ukraine, so, like, it wasn't as bustling as it is now. And I use now loosely because it's not very bustling anymore. Four RBMK 1000 reactors capable of producing 1,000 megawatts of electric power. And the four together produce about 10... 10% of its entire country's electricity. God damn. That shit was big, people. I, if Ukraine you're, if you're not big. watching, okay, I'm holding my arms out big. But big, very big. 10%. I've, That's I've, a lot. I understand it's a lot, but like, I thought, didn't you think it would be more? No, I thought maybe if they were like, it accounts for 50% of that city's energy. Oh, okay. It's providing energy for that city and like five more by yeah. itself. Just so it's uh, in comparison, probably like the Hoover Dam does something similar. Yeah. Fun fact, people. Las Vegas is not powered at all by the Hoover Dam. Nope. We are powered by nuclear energy. <laughs> <laughs> we are powered by the aliens that live underneath the strip. That we evacuated right before Hurricane Hillary. Oh, uh, thank God. <laughs> the, the tunnel people. You know about them, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tunnel people. Yeah, they went metro like the day before Hurricane Hillary showed up, which, guys, like, wasn't that bad, but it could have been bad, and all the people joking about it are the ones that I would shoot first in the zombie apocalypse. Because uh, they would try to hide a bite. Yeah. It's not that bad, guys. It's not that bad. You're sure. bitten? Yeah. <laughs> Gone. Sorry. Sorry. But, uh, yeah, so right before it came in, like the day before it came in, Metro went to, like, the tunnels under the strip because there's people living in them. They're like, hey, y'all going to die. To be fair, we did see a fuck ton of rain 
like more than we we'd see in like two years. Yeah, we saw a lot of rain, so I I get that, but it wasn't the winds weren't that bad. Uh, a lot of thunderstorms though. Lots and lots of crooked Hillary. <laughs> God damn it! What a way to end that show. Like I don't, I don't even know where to, I don't even think we can go anywhere from there. I actually removed it from crooked Hillary. It's actually crooked Joe. Joe's just as crooked as anybody. <laughs> do, you, do you believe he's two fifteen? Uh, six two thirty five. No way! That fucker's like three hundred. Who? Trump. Yeah, he's two thirty five. According to what? According to his fucking mugshot. No, his mugshot's at two fifteen. I thought it was two thirty. No, he's like six four, two fifteen. But like, you're telling me that man has the same physique as like Jason Momoa? I mean, obviously. <laughs> Have you seen the pictures that people make of Trump like shredded? Yeah. They're like, this is my president. What? Uh, if you, uh, I know this is. Watch the Tucker Carlson Trump uh, debate. They called it a debate, but it's really just an interview. Boy, it's just a flame session. <laughs> it is so good, bro. He goes in on Joe Biden. So fucking crucial. He's like, <laughs> you got to go watch it. You got to go watch it. Okay. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up so everybody else can go watch that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Alvarez Prod LV. I do stuff besides just Bizarre Junkies. I do videography. I do video editing. I am a podcast producer as well, so I do a lot of stuff that you can see. George, where can the lovely people find you? You can follow Travis Flusher. <laughs> oh, God. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh we're going to continue to do more like these. We might do the Fukushima plant next, but I think we might jump back in with a serial killer. Maybe we should do a couple serial killers before we go back to natural disasters. Mm -hmm. Talk about some of the psychology behind that. But I want to say thank you to everybody. We've been rapidly growing. This show is, is gaining so much traction. I'm so grateful for all of you that watch and listen and show us your support. Check out all the links in our bio for merch, groups you can join to talk with other fans, things we have going on in the works. And until next time, everybody, stay bizarre.